Welcome to the Posh Sessions. I'm your host, Posh, and man, I'm glad to be back on the mic. <sighs> it's been a crazy month, to say the least, and I have a bit of a confession. I'm a perfectionist. Like, I'm a bit psychotic about everything I do to the point sometimes that I forget to give myself credit for what I've already accomplished. So I just really wanted to take a moment and just soak all of this in. <sighs> Novelty. I'm just so happy that I was able to lock this place in. I mean, it's such a beautiful space located downtown, but away from downtown. And it's still trendy and chic. And it's just, it's a really, really good look. And I just want to shout out Wolfpack Lou for making this introduction. You know, not a lot of people may know this, but in the previous podcast that I owned, there came a point where we didn't even have like a space to record. So in the meantime, we were improvising. We recorded in um, one of the guys' um, kitchen. I think one of the guys' living room at one point. And it's crazy because the guys had someone working on this space. And for whatever the reason, you know, they couldn't lock it in. But, you know, I, I didn't give up on it. And I, you know, I, I reached out to Lou. And, you know, I finally was able to, you know, get a meeting with Justin. And, you know, as a woman... As a businesswoman at that, like, it just feels real good to know that as soon as I walked in and I, you know, I had that meeting with him, it was a go. And, you know, I just really wanted to take a moment to, like, just really soak it in and, you know, just give myself the acknowledgement that, you know, I made this happen. And I'm so glad to be able to still say that novelty is home sweet home for me. And I just also want to say, you know, thank you both. Um, Lou and Justin for believing me and believing in my vision. And, you know, we're going to have some good things coming up for you guys this coming year. And of course, we got my audio engineer in the building. We got Lemmy Curry. And we also have photos by Lex. So without further ado, I just want to get straight into it today. Um... I was actually debating on when to record this episode. It's something that's weighed on my mind for like a really, really long time. And I know that we're only a few episodes in and I didn't want to hit you guys with like some real heavy shit so early into the podcast. And, you know, for me, timing was also so important. However, after debating it, it just seems like it was appropriate considering the time of year that it is. You know, beautiful weather, summer's right around the corner. Everyone's looking forward to doing the beaches or taking a dip in a swimming pool. And quite honestly, this may sound ignorant as fuck, but I wasn't aware of the stats until it happened to me. See, back home, especially back in the day, of course, things have changed now. But, you know, like, we didn't have swimming pools. I know this just sounds mad ghetto, but we just didn't, like... Jersey, it was like we had like the community pools, you know, um, later on certain complexes, they got pools. If you knew somebody who had a pool in their yard, like they had a lot of money because it was just not a common thing in Jersey. Like the most I remember, you know, as far as like pools in the summertime or even water would be like the fire hydrants. Like that was it for me, you know, like. That's, you know, as much water that, you know, that we got close to. But here in Florida, it's like, 
is mad different. It's like here, everybody has a pool damn near. And it's like the equivalent, I guess, to like basements in Jersey. You know what I'm saying? Jersey got basements. We don't got pools. Florida got pools. We don't got fucking basements because of floods and shit. So it just, my experience was just like, it. I never thought that it would happen to me. And um, I just want to say that April is an extremely difficult month for me as of 11 years ago. Um, as many of you guys who may follow me on social media may already know, um, April represents both my daughter Jada's birthday and her death anniversary. <clears throat> so as much as I try to work through it and act as if it's another month of the year, sometimes my mind just isn't there. And that's why it's been difficult for me to put out content this month. Um, it's not due to a lack of preparation, but rather just me not being able to push past what this month means to me. So I wanted to dedicate this episode to my baby girl because she's definitely missed but not forgotten. And I swear I'm not going to do this episode crying my eyes out and messing up my makeup. So just give me a moment. <laughs> so April 1st at about 1130 in the morning, I get a call from my mom asking me to come home right away and just hangs up on me, right? Sitting at a Taco Bell drive through don't fucking judge me. Fresh out of my OBGYN follow-up appointment. I had just had Alexa about six weeks ago. And called my mom back, no answer. Called my sister, Samira, no answer. So I called my mom back, no answer. Called my sister, no answer. So finally, I called my twin sisters. I figured they're going to be the weakest link. So I called and I called and I called until my sister Lilo picks up and she says, what? So like I yell back at her and I'm like, what's wrong? Why did mom call me? Like, why isn't anyone picking up their phones? So she says, mom said, I can't tell you. Just come home right away. So I'm like, just tell me what's going on. So she was like, Carol, I can't. And I'm like, just tell me. So she says, Jada drowned and just starts crying. So, of course, I'm shocked. And I'm like, what? So she says, just get home right away. Hangs up. So I'm at the, um, for those here in Orlando, I'm at the Taco Bell on the west side off of Hiawassee um, in the Metro West area. So I immediately, like, pull out the drive through haul ass down Conroy, haul ass onto the I-4, onto the turnpike. And my Honda Accord, I'm talking about, I was gone. Like, I think that shit did 160, and I was pushing a good 120 the whole way there. And I remember at one point, like, around the OBT exit and Osceola, there was, like, a traffic jam. I hit the fucking shoulder. Like, I thank God that there was no state trooper, like, just posted up there, because I would have aired that nigga out. Like, I was gone so pull up to my mom's house um sheriff's department was was there like i seen the car and as soon as i walk in i look to my left my mom's living room and i seen the officer sitting there and i see my mom sitting there so i just say to her i'm like i know what's going on just tell me where she's at so they were like she's on her way to osceola so i'm like all right 
go to jump back in my car. And um, the pastor from the church, he was there. And um, he was like, you shouldn't be driving. I'm going to drive you. And I'm like, listen, like, I just need to go. Like, I don't even care who drive. I just got to get there. So pull up to the emergency room in Osceola, um, Osceola Regional. Go through the emergency room. And um, I guess they were already expecting me. So they, they take me to the side and they put me in a room. When I go in the room, Samira's there. So Samira is in her pajamas and she's like hysterical. She was on the phone with someone. So she sees me walk in. She, she hangs up and I'm like, where's she at? And Samira was like, I don't know. And she was, her pajamas were wet from her chest down. So, um, fuck, man. I don't know where she came from, but like a nun walked in with a Bible and she was very teary eyed. And she says, she's like, do you guys believe in God? And I was like, yeah. So she was like, pray. Mind you, at this point, I still hadn't seen my daughter. So a nurse walks in. And um, she asked whose mom. I said, I was. And she says, I was like, where's my daughter? I want to see her. She says, well, you're going to be able to see her in a little bit. She was like, but right now you can't. We're working on getting her heartbeat back. It wasn't until she said that that I realized how serious this really was. In my head, I'm thinking, you know, I don't know. I, w I wasn't thinking that. I could tell you that. Um, so while she, you know, she left to go back to that, the trauma area that my daughter was in, I decided that this was the time to call her dad and let him know what's going on. Now, if you guys remember, I said in my first episode that I was separated from my husband and I moved to Florida. So he was in Jersey. So what I did was I called his girlfriend first and I let her know what was going on because I figured by the time I tell him, he's not going to have the right mind to do anything. So I was like, please pack him a bag, call the airlines, get him a flight. He needs to get out here as soon as possible. So she hangs up. I had to call him next. So I give him a call and I'm like, hey, what are you doing? And he was like, oh, I'm at work. What's up? And I was like, I need to tell you something. Can you like stop what you're doing and just chill for a minute? I need to talk to you. So he was like, yeah, what's up? So I said to him, I said, something happened to Jada and you need to come down here as soon as possible. I said, I already called Natalie. She's already packed the bag. She's making arrangements with the airlines. You just need to get over here as soon as possible. So he's like, ha ha, April fools. And I'm like, no, Sam, I'm not playing. Um, I need you to get here as soon as possible. So he's like, oh, my God, what happened? So I was like, she drowned. I need you to get here. And I hang up. So between, you know, me making those calls, the nurse comes back out. And she was like, hey, you know, you're, you're ready to see her? And I was like, yeah. And like, Like, nothing can prepare you for that shit, man. Like, I walk in, 
She has tubes coming out of everywhere. She was swollen as hell. The nurse handed me her bangles. And she was like, you can't touch her because we just stabilized her. And there's no um, like pediatric doctor there. So they have to get her over to Arnold Palmer. And um, I couldn't touch her because they were going to, you know, um, um, put her in a helicopter and get her over there. Transfer her over to Arnold Palmer. And God forbid I touched anything and I unstabilized her. It was it was just bad. And I couldn't go in the helicopter either because they didn't want to risk just too many people in the helicopter making her unstable and like just fucking shit up before they even get a chance to get her there. So I seen her for all of like maybe 30 seconds to a minute and she was off. So get back in my car. And if you guys can remember, I said I was coming from my OBGYN's appointment. My youngest daughter, Lex, was with her dad and I was breastfeeding. So it was just a bad fucking day. Like my boobs hurt. I was just miserable. So I made it over to Arnold Palmer and I get there. You know, they take me immediately upstairs to the ICU unit. My parents were also on their way there. My son was on the way. My sisters were on their way. And um, so were the cops and DCF. They were just wanting to do an investigation in the middle of all this shit to add, you know, more layers to the story here. So I was greeted by everyone. I had to individually meet with everyone and talk to them, talk to the DCF caseworker, talk to the sheriff and also talk to the doctor. So I talked to the doctor last because my mom asked me to wait for her to get there so that we can go together. So the doctor basically pulls us to a room and says, listen, um, as a professional, you know, I've dealt with this X amount of years. Um, he basically tells me that at this stage where she was at, nine out of 10 kids die. And the one that does survive lives in a vegetative state. She's not going to be able to know the difference between night and day. She's not going to know anything. And in his expert opinion, he, um, he said, I should pull the plug. And I couldn't live with that. So I was like, no, there is just no way that I'm going to be able to like, I can't. So I was like, we're going to just wait it out. Just see what happens next. So at the hospital, at one point, I figured we were going to be there for a little bit. So I dip off because I needed to feed my daughter and drive up to Metro West, go feed her. And then on the way back, my baby daddy was like, let me drive you to the hospital so that you don't have to drive anymore, whatever the case may be. So I'm like, all right, let's go. So on our way back down to the hospital, I'm on I-4. I'm getting off on the Cayley exit. And you know how people from Orlando know, other people that may listen from other areas may not. Um, you guys are not going to know. But you get off the I-4 exit. It's called Cayley. And then there's like a stop sign right there because there's a gas station on the corner. So I stop at or he stops at the stop sign. Somebody rear ends my car, bro. <laughs> like... And when I tell you I flipped the fuck 
out. Like, I couldn't take it. Like, I was like, this is just, it's too much going on right now. Like, I can't even, like, begin to process any of this shit. She was, thank God, she was a really nice girl. She was so apologetic. Like, she was, like, a massage therapist. She was, it was just, she. we exchanged information and we left. So, um, get back to the hospital. There's no... N- no change like she's just laying there she's still hooked up to the machines she's basically at this point on life support and you know there's no real changes you know to anything so we're just like again we're just sitting there we're just waiting it out in the meantime my my this sounds mad crazy saying this shit but he was still legally my husband my husband gets there my baby daddy's there my mom my grandparents my dad my sisters my son everybody's there getting interrogated by dcf Sheriff had left by then. And then um, also my baby daddy's girl ended up flying out too. We were separated. We were still legally married, but we were separated. We both had our significant others at that time. She was there. And then he, when he saw how bad Jada was, like he called his, his stepdad and was like, you need to fly down. Like this is, this is really serious. So eventually... Um, her grandfather, Johnny, got there, too. And then um, as the night, you know, it got later in the night and stuff like that. I was like, well, you know what? I've been in these clothes all day. I'm just going to go real quick. to my Well, not real quick because my mom lives in Kissimmee and we were in downtown Orlando. But I was like, I'm going to go to my mom's house, just take a shower, pack a bag and head back to the hospital for the night because I figured I'm going to be there. And then... Um, my baby daddy was like, I'm going to drive you so you don't have to drive or whatever, especially because my car got fucking rear-ended. So on our way, we were like 10 minutes um, already into like the drive. And then we get a call from the hospital and they were like, you need to turn around. Like, you know what I'm saying? Something is happening. So I was like, all right. So we turn around, go back upstairs. And um, I knew it wasn't good because like the nurse went in. She would like, she would do her rounds or whatever. And she was like, looking at her vitals and then she would like like wipe her eyes and walk off so I was like fuck like this is not good and then um by then also my her grandfather had flown in Johnny he got there like right on time and um everyone was pretty much there and um the next thing that I can remember because like I was like outside of the, um, out of the room, kind of like looking in, even though there was like no glass, no door, nothing, but it was like a room. And then only the only thing that really separated, it was like a curtain and the curtain was open so I can like see into the room. And um, I just remember like, yo, when I tell you that it felt like a movie, like it really just, it really just felt like, some shit you would see like in in a movie like all I really remember is like as her vitals were going down and I was just looking into the room and my baby daddy was like behind me and then like I felt like people rushing like from behind and like when I caught a glimpse of like who it was like when I turned and I seen that it was like the hospital staff that's when like I didn't realize right away was happening but like my baby daddy did and like he immediately grabbed me and like buried my face in his chest because he didn't want me to look. And like I got mad. I'm like, get the fuck off of me. Like I'm trying to push and like break away from him because I want to see what's going on. 
And then all I hear is like the, the machines is like clear. And they're like trying to revive her. <sighs> all I remember next was doctor yelling 349. <laughs> and then someone else confirming 349. So, to tie this all together, my daughter was being watched by my mom that morning because I had an appointment to the doctor. And we suspect that my grandfather was like reading the Bible in the pool deck and didn't fully close the sliding glass door. And that's how she was able to kind of push it open and get out. And um, they didn't have like a, a gate or anything like that. So she had this thing where she would like play the Little Mermaid. And she would put her, like she would go on the edge of the pool and dip her hair in the water. Like put her head forward and then she would like fling it back like the Little Mermaid. And she had a knot on her head. So what we were thinking happened was when she got out, she went to the edge of the pool. She went to dip her hair. She must have hit her head on the edge of the pool and just fell in because there was no splashing. There was no crying. There was no screaming. There was no nothing. She was just there. And she wasn't there for a really long time. It's not like my mom is a negligent person. The autopsy report said that she was in the pool anywhere from a span of three to five minutes tops. But because she was there unconscious, it's kind of like what what kind of did it. And then my mom, she drove the bus for the county. So my mom was trained in CPR. So when my sister and my mom just were like, where's Jada? We don't hear her anywhere. And my sister was the one that like just so happened to glance out into the pool deck and saw her in the pool. My sister jumped in and grabbed her out the pool. My mom performed CPR until the ambulance got there. And... um. I just remember like being in shock. Like I could not, I, at one point as I got closer, I fainted because I just couldn't believe that just like that, like, just like that, like, just like that, like it just, everything changed. My dad, his blood pressure was like so bad. They almost admitted him because he couldn't even stand either. And um, my baby daddy was so pissed. Oh, he was so mad. He tried to choke me. And he was just really, really, really angry. I mean, and he has the right to be. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't talk shit on that. Everybody has the right to react how they're going to react. But it was just like a really, really bad day. And I remember like um, when we left the hospital, I gave my baby daddy my car. Cause nobody, like nobody could drive. My mom had a truck at the time. So we all got in the truck and I actually drove. I was like, I, I was the calmest one out the group at this point. How? I don't even fucking know. But I drove to my mom's, packed all her clothes, her toys, her, her bike, put everything in the attic. And then I was like, I'm leaving. They're like, where are you going? I was like, 
I need to see my daughter, like my my little one. I was like, I haven't seen her all day. Like I'm tired. I need to sleep. I need to feed her. And in a couple of hours, I already know people are going to be here. I don't want to deal with nobody. Like I just, I'm going to leave. Like, all right. So like I left. And we had to prepare the funeral arrangements. And that's a topic for a whole nother day. I'm not going to go into it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a brief break. And I'll be right back with the other side of the story. This is the Posh Sessions. I need you, boo. I gotta see you, boo. And the heart's all over the world tonight. Said the heart's all over the world tonight. I need you, boo. Oh, I gotta see you, boo. Hey. And the heart's all over the world tonight. Said the heart's all over the world tonight. You close where you can stay forever. You can be so that it will only get better. You and me together through the days and nights. I don't want. that story oh my god but jada caitlin cruz was born on april 25th of 2005 at raritan bay medical center after 14 hours of induced labor she weighed six pounds and six ounces and i called her my little peanut she had a head full of hair which explained the heartburn but she was perfect 
See, when I was growing up, I always pictured myself having two kids. I always knew I was going to have a boy and a girl. And I would always say that my son, I was going to name him after his dad. That's like the easy route, right? Because they always want a junior or whatever. But like, I knew my daughter, I knew that I was going to name her Jada. I just, I knew it. So I wanted a little girl so bad that I got pregnant merely seven months after giving birth to Junior. And she was everything. She had all my mannerisms because I always said I wanted a little girl that was just like me. I don't even know what I was asking for, but that's what I wanted. So she had all my, my mannerisms, but she had like this cute raspy voice. And let me tell you something. Every outfit that I saw in the store... She had it. Like, I went crazy. I went crazy for this little girl. And then with my then husband's mom, she was battling cancer. It just couldn't have came at a better time because shortly after that, she passed away. So it was like she had a chance to meet her grandchildren before passing away. Now, Jada was my mini-me, my wild child, always getting into something adventurous, playful, funny, tomboyish at times, inseparable from her brother. And Junior loved her so much. It's like he enjoyed having someone else to play with. And it was like, you know, Jada had her issues with eczema and we later found out that she was lactose intolerant. So getting her to switch to soy milks and no cheese and no ice cream was... Oh, my God. But. And it broke my heart having to tell her no, but we had to do it. And I remember like we'd give in every once in a while. Like I remember one time my mom bought her like a cheeseburger from McDonald's and she ended up throwing up in my car. But we made it work. She we called it her special milk. We would get her like soy milk and we would tell her it's your it's your special milk It's just for Jada. And ladies. This is just a sidebar. If you can breastfeed, I encourage you to do so. Like the bond that you create with your child is like no other. And it was just the best experience with my daughter. Now, also come to think of it, Jada was also allergic to peanuts. And how I found out was because one of my friends came to my house one day and she was eating a peanut butter granola bar. And of course, my fat ass daughter wanted some. And when she gave it to her, she completely like broke out. And that's how we found out that she was allergic. But anyway, you know, her dad and I, we were kids raising kids and we were just trying to figure things out. Like when I met my baby daddy, I was 17. He was 19. Got pregnant. I had my son at 18. You know, we had Jada at 19. Like we were kids. And, you know, it didn't work out. And that's how I ended up in Florida with my kids. But she loved it here. Like, she was always outside, running around, playing with her brother. She loved Disney World. She loved music as much as I did. She loved foods as much as I do. Um, one of my favorite pictures of her, um, we just took it. She was in my parents' garage. And she's wearing, uh, like, this blue onesie. But it was like a cutoff onesie. I have found them. I forget who made them, but I have found them in the store. And uh, she had a baby pink Yankee hat on, but she had it. We put it on the right way, but she was my mini me. So she turned it around and she had it towards the back and she's holding like this baseball. 
with a black eye. <laughs> and like, it's just my favorite picture because I just feels like it captures who she was. Like she wasn't like a girly girl, even though she could be, but she was also like a tomboy too. And like, I love that. And I remember that she would always ask me in her little raspy ass voice. She's like, mommy, do you love me? And I would always answer, I love you more than life. Now, the night that she passed away, I remember her wearing her Dora the Explorer PJs. And she was going up the stairs to my mom's room. And I said to her, good night. So she was like, good night. And I said to her, I was like, give me a kiss. And she's like, no. And she's like laughing and running away. And um, she's continuing to climb up the stairs. And one of my biggest regrets amongst others was not getting a chance to say goodbye. She passed away three weeks before her third birthday, and she would have been 14 this year. And words cannot express the immense loss that I took and the hole left in my heart. I pray that one day God will turn my tears and my heartbreak into tears of joy because even though she was taken entirely too soon, I'm so blessed to be able to say that she was my daughter. My daughter. She was everything that I could have ever asked for in a daughter. And her passing has been something that has changed me forever. Now, earlier I said that one of my biggest regrets was not being able to say goodbye. So let me tell you all about this dream that I had. And I'm pretty sure that this was my goodbye. So I have this dream. I feel sorry for you guys watching on YouTube because my makeup is going to look like shit. Um, <laughs> I remember having this dream where it was like, I don't know, like mid-morning and I get, the, I get a call. And when I get a call, it's a call from the hospital, Arnold Palmer. And they say to me that I needed to come down to the hospital because they needed to speak to me. So I'm like, okay. And they said, it's regarding your daughter. So I rushed down to the hospital and I remember that I'm greeted there, like right at the door, I'm greeted by like these nurses. And um, they say to me, they were like, um, we wanted to talk to you because we have a doctor. This is such a weird fucking story. They're like, we have a doctor that he can um, raise people from the dead. And they were like, um, and because, you know, your daughter, she passed away so young, you know, we thought of you. And they were like, um, <sighs> I had to take a drink. I'm trying to get my shit together. So they were like, there's this doctor. He raises people from the dead and we thought of you. They're like, but here's the catch. They were like, he can bring her back to life, but she's not going to have a heart. So you can only have her for the day and then you have to bring her back. So I was like, okay. So I remember they brought out my daughter and she's wearing like this lavender sweater and she has this headband on and she's wearing her hair out in curls 
And she's like, mommy. And like, I immediately, of course, start fucking crying. And I couldn't like believe that it was like, it was her. So I remember I put her in the car and I'm like, what do you want to do? And she was, and she was like, I want to go to the fair. I don't even know. I don't know how, but what I know is that in my dream, I ended up in Coney Island. And I remember we were just at this fair and we were like, going on these rides and we went and we did the whole Ferris wheel. We like it, we did the whole thing. And I remember like towards the, you know, towards the end of the evening, it was time for me to drop her back off. So I drove from Coney Island in my dream back down into Arnold Palmer downtown Orlando and I told her that I loved her and I couldn't wait to see her again and she told me she loves me and she waved goodbye and the nurses came out they got her and she just waved at me as she walked back through the hospital doors and when I woke up from that dream, <sighs> I felt like I got my closure in a weird way. Like, it just, I felt like I got my goodbye. And like, I thank God for that because for years, I... I lived with the guilt of feeling like, why didn't I do things differently? Why didn't I wake her up in the morning like I always would? Take her with me. Why didn't her dad just come pick her up? Why wasn't my mom paying attention? Did she feel anything when she died? Did it hurt? And that dream just gave me like that, that piece of like, I can let this go a little bit now. Like, I don't have to carry that much of a load on myself right now because I know that she's in a better place and I know that I got my goodbye. And um, I want to kind of wrap this up at this point. And I just want to thank you guys for tuning in this week. And listening to this very special episode, I wanted to open up and share my experience because unfortunately the stats on drownings in Florida are astounding. You know, I never got a chance to speak at my daughter's funeral. So in a way, this was like her eulogy. I finally got a chance to speak my piece. I want to thank you guys all for sitting with me as I opened up about my Jada. It was very therapeutic. I also realized that I'm not the only one hurting. And I wanted to voice my hurt. And maybe it can help someone else who has either gone through this kind of experience or know somebody who has. One of my favorite books that I read during this time is called Roses in December by Marilyn Hevelin. She's somebody that buried three of her kids due to different circumstances. I'm also going to go ahead and follow up at a later episode about grieving 
It's too much to even attempt to cover in one sitting. Um, I've read that there are five stages to grieving, and that's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So I want to leave you guys with this. Parents, tell your kids you love them. Kiss on them. Whoop their ass if they need it. But let them know how much you love them because you just never know. I also want to say that I don't want people feeling bad for me. I'm fine. One thing that I know is that death is not a respecter of persons. We all have a time that we're going to die. That's Bible. In Hebrews 9.27, it says, For it is appointed unto men once to die. So my daughter was not an exception. It's what you do here that counts. And of course, if you haven't already done so, please, please, please subscribe and rate. Leave a review on iTunes. I'm also on Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. And that's at the Posh Sessions Podcast. Share, repost, retweet. If you guys want to email me, it's the Posh Sessions Podcast at gmail.com. And until next time, I'm out of here. Peace.